Good morning, everybody. Uh, we are continuing our look at uh, different descriptions of the church in Scripture. Uh, the first passage we're going to look at this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn to it, is uh, the book of Colossians chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn and hold that. You remember we started a couple of weeks ago looking at the Greek word ekklesia. Uh, we found that word in several places, but we looked in Matthew chapter 16 when Peter made his public profession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, upon this rock, his confession, I will build my church. And that's that word ekklesia. And so far we've looked at how that word means the called out ones. And that's what we looked at the first Sunday, how we are called out. Last week, we looked at how Scripture says we are part of the family or the household of God. This morning we're looking at one of my favorites. We're looking at the fact that we as the church are the body of Christ. I was curious to know how many individual parts there are in a human body. And I discovered depending on which medical site you go to, there are differing answers. So even the doctors and scientists and experts don't agree. But we have approximately 206 bones in our body, and even those bones are broken up in different sections. And then you've got all the ligaments and things that connect bones. You've got cartilage that are connected to bones. There are at least 600 different muscles that are identified in our body. There are 13 different systems composed of organs. And this is the one that surprised me, is that doctors and scientists don't agree on how to define an organ. But there's 13 identifiable systems composed of what we would call organs, and approximately 78 different things that they classify as organs that work through our body. And just when you look at us visually, we have two eyes, we have two ears, a nose, a mouth, arms, there's 10 digits on our hands, most of us, two legs, 10 digits on our feet, most of us. And what I'm learning as I get older is if one part of your body is not working the way it's supposed to, and I'm learning this with my knees especially, then the rest of your body suffers. Now there are some organs that doctors and scientists say they really don't know why we have them. The pancreas is one of those oddball things that we're not really sure what it does. And it's true that we can live without some parts of our bodies. People lose fingers and hands and legs and things like that. Uh, some people don't have their gallbladder anymore. A lot of us may not have our tonsils. You can even live with just one lung. I knew a gentleman down in Mississippi that just had one lung. You can live without a kidney in some cases. But there are organs in your body that you can't live without. You can't live without a heart. You can live for a limited amount of time in, in very poor condition with your liver not working the way it's supposed to. You can't live without a brain. Well, it seems like some people live without a brain, but you can't live without a brain. That's the control center that controls everything. So our, our bodies and the parts of our bodies are really, really important. So I think it's interesting that one of the images that Scripture uses for the church is that we are the body of Christ. And I mentioned our brains. The brain is the control center for everything that goes on in your body. It controls the way your heart beats. It controls the way your nerves work. And if you have issues with your brain, and I'm not picking on my wife, she would admit that she had seizures several years ago that have affected parts of her brain. Her memory doesn't work quite the way it does. 
And as we get older, our brains don't function as well as they used to in most cases. So we can all relate to the idea that something's going on in the control center that things don't always work and function the way they're supposed to. Well, when we're talking about the body of Christ, the first thing we need to understand, and if you have your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading with verse 15. And this is talking about Christ. It says, He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That passage not only tells us that Christ is the head of his church, he's the head of everything. He's the control center, or he should be. Now, there are hierarchies within the church. We have church leadership that is clearly defined in Scripture, but Christ is the head. Whether you're an elder, a deacon, whether you're the preacher, a Sunday school teacher, whatever it is you do in the church, we should recognize that Christ is the head of the body. If you cut the head off the body, the body may survive for a little while, like a chicken running around with its head off, but it has no purpose. It has no one to pull everything together. Paul makes it clear that Christ not only holds all of creation together, He is what holds the church together. So whatever we're doing and everything we talk about through the rest of this message this morning, we need to stop and remind ourselves as we're discussing these things that Christ is the head. He is in control. This is His body, His church. That being said, now I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We looked at the last part of this verse last week, and I told you it was going to be leading up into the sermon this morning. There are not quite 50 of us here this morning. I think I counted 44. And every single one of us are different. Every single one of us are individuals. But if we are Christians, we are all still part of one body of Christ. Paul, addressing the church in Corinth, which was a huge church, a dynamic church, a very diverse group of people, they did a lot of things that were really well. But as Paul is writing these letters, he's having to address certain issues. In chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts. Apparently, there was some abuse of spiritual gifts going on in the church. There was also some favoritism going on. When you see Paul addressing these churches, oftentimes they would attach themselves to a particular leader, Paul or Apollos. And all through Paul's writings, he says, Christ is the head. Christ is the one we serve. And as he's talking about this diversity in the body of Christ, and it was in the context of explaining how we're all given gifts from the Holy Spirit, and we all have different gifts, and we're all supposed to function using our gifts, he addresses the idea that we are a body. And we're going to begin reading, reading in verse 12 and read down through verse 27 in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many parts... And all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit 
into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. And this next part I always thought was humorous. And I think that's one of the reasons Paul writes it this way. It's almost an absurd statement when he identifies these parts of the body and kind of gives them human attributes. But look what he says. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body, and this is important. If you would like to underline and highlight stuff in your Bible, this is a good one. He organized them just as He wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our respectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body. That's another one you could underline or highlight. That's God's plan. That's His purpose. No division but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And then he goes on and lists different offices and different things that were in the church. And he explains how all of these things are different gifts, they're different abilities, but they all have the same function. They are all were put in the body of Christ to achieve Christ's purpose. The first thing we need to understand when we're talking about the church, there are many different parts. Just like our bodies have all different kinds of parts. They serve different functions. Every single one of us in here, and I truly believe Scripture teaches this, every single one of us in here has a gift, has an ability, has a talent, has a passion that God put in you. And they don't have to be the same thing. We're extremely fortunate that we all have different abilities, different gifts, different things that we enjoy doing. That's part of our creation. God made each and every one of us unique. And like I said, just this small group of us here this morning, every single one of us are unique. Even identical twins, when they do studies, even identical twins have unique things about them. They're not 100% identical. But yet we're still one body. And part of this is, is kind of a mystery. 
Part of it is because we have been put together with one spirit. And the one spirit unites us together as this one group with all different things, all different ways of thinking, all different ways of acting. One of the important things about coming around this table every Sunday is it unites us as the body of Christ with one purpose, and we recognize our head. We recognize the one who is calling the shots. But, and even though that there are many different parts working as one body, and I've kind of hinted at this, we are all individuals. God doesn't want us necessarily acting like everybody else. If you are a musical, God put that in you, and He wants you to be musical and use those talents. If you can teach or you can speak, God wants you to use those abilities to serve His purpose. Now, I like music. It would be awesome if everybody in every single congregation was musical, but it's just not that case. It would be great if every single person could play an instrument and sing, but that's not the way God created us. It would be incredible if every single person could teach or speak in public, but that's not the way God created us. And as I've gotten older and gotten more involved in local church ministry, whether I was the minister or a deacon or an elder, I'm starting to understand this thing that Paul is saying about the parts that we elevate and the parts that we don't necessarily think about. It's easy to look at me because I stand up here every single Sunday. It's easy to look at the elders and the deacons in a church because they are visible or the musicians or the one who leads worship. And I've touched upon this in other messages. But the person who comes in and fixes communion every Sunday is just as important to this body as me standing right here this morning. It may not seem like it, but it is. The person who comes in and vacuums the carpet is just as important to the function of this body as I am. And we may not think of it in those terms, but it's true. Every time we get together, and I know we're not doing it as much right now, but I've kind of snuck in there on some of those lady fellowships. Every time they get together and somebody cooks some food, that may not seem like an important part of the body, but it is important. And the body functions when people are using those gifts and abilities. And God wants us to be individuals and be who we are. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. We don't have to try and do every single thing in a congregation. Sometimes we feel like we need to because there's not enough people doing things that needed to be done. But I think part of the problem with that is that people are never really taught to understand that they have a purpose and they have a function. There is no small ministry in the church of Christ. From the ladies sitting in the nursery, and sometimes guys, to the ladies and gentlemen who teach Sunday school or do junior church, to the people who clean, to the people who take care of the outside of the building, to the people who decorate. Every single function is important. Every single function is necessary for the body to perform the way it should. And when you're missing a part of the body, the body does not function 100%. That includes not just the preacher, or the piano player, or the Sunday school teachers. It includes those who put together communion. 
What would have happened this morning if we'd have come in and we'd gather around this table and the people who take care of that had not done it? It would have been a little bit awkward. Maybe we could have rushed and made it. But it's things like that that we often take for granted and we don't think about. Sometimes the people that do those things that are outside of the site that you don't necessarily see doing it. And I've been in congregations where I did some of the things that weren't visible when I wasn't in ministry. Sometimes you feel like you're not appreciated, that what you do is not important. And Paul has this conversation. He's like, the foot and shouldn't say, well, I'm not a hand, so therefore I'm not very important. I'm not a hand. I'm just a foot. Sunday school teachers should never say, well, I'm not the preacher. I'm not important. The folks who put together communion say, well, I'm not playing the piano. I'm not that important. Whatever it is that you're doing in the congregation, in the body, and every single one of us should be doing something. That's something else we fail to teach people. A lot of people come in and they're like, well, I'll just come to church. I'll sing. I'll hear a message. I'll take communion. I'll give an offering and then I'll go home. And that's all I'm doing. Not trying to be critical. But if that's the attitude, then you really need to change your attitude because you have something, a gift, a talent, an ability that God gave you. And we need it. Every day I get up and I have to coax my knees to start moving. And I was out in the rain yesterday for an over an hour, so they were really sore this morning because they got soaked. Every single one of us in here, especially those of us who are starting to get some years on us, you younger folks might not understand it yet. But can every one of us understand it when certain parts of your body are not working, that the rest of your body is suffering? John Elton, how about your arms? Wouldn't it be great if both of them were at 100%? Yeah. Here's the truth. And like I said, I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm not trying to be critical. But if every single one of us in here are not using our gifts and abilities, this body is not functioning at 100%. We're missing something. There are many parts. We're all individuals. But we have one purpose. We've been put together. And notice what I said. It says God arranged it. God put it together. God's Holy Spirit gifts us. That last part, it talks about all these different things. It talks about teaching and prophets and apostles and all this stuff. He says, not everybody's an apostle. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody does this. Not everybody does that. But God has given you something. He's given His Holy Spirit to you to equip you to do something. And the church needs you. That's the only way I know how to say it is that we need every single one of us in here. And let's be honest, some of us have abilities that are more visible. And we need you. And there may be some of you going, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, but I can help fix communion. I can help do this, but that's not important. Somebody else will take care of it. No, we need every single one of us functioning so that the body functions. Look at verse 26 again. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. It takes every single one of us. And we're not competing. 
We're not trying to outdo one another. We're not trying to say, hey, look, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, they're more important than yours. Because that's just as wrong as saying mine's not important at all. As I've gotten older, I've even learned that even our younger folks, even our little kids have a function and a purpose in our church. I remember hearing growing up that the kids are the church of the future. No, they're not. They're the church of right here. I have learned so much from sitting down and talking to preschoolers, and especially high schoolers. And they have a purpose, and they have a function, and we need to teach them from the time they're able to understand that they are part of this. They need to be included. They have gifts. They have abilities. And we need to make sure that they are given the opportunity to use them. Last week as I was finishing up, I quoted this one passage about if one member suffers, we all suffer. If one is honored, we're all honored. There's a bunch of us. We're all individuals created by God to be that way and it's beautiful. But we have one purpose and that's to serve Christ. That's to take the gospel out into the world. And the thing we need to remember is that we're all in it together. When one of us here is suffering, we come alongside and we suffer with them. If they are mourning, we come along beside them and we mourn. When they rejoice, we come along beside and we rejoice. I want to look at one more passage. It's not up there on the board, but if you still got your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is how I kind of want to close this morning. And once again, this is Apostle Paul writing. And he's encouraging, once again, another church, another congregation, helping them to understand that they are part of one body. And that's the beautiful thing when you really think about it. There's this group of us here this morning. But all throughout the world, every group of Christians that come together, every ecclesia that meets is still part of that one body. There's only one church. There are a lot of different little pieces scattered out through all the whole world, but there's one church, one purpose, one head. And Paul is talking about unity and diversity in that one body, the church universal. And he begins in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, and he was in prison when he was writing this. He's like, therefore... I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. He's not just talking to preachers there or missionaries or elders or deacons. He's talking to every single one of us. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And then I want to skip down to verse 16 as we close this morning. From Him, Christ, the whole body, Every single one of us, all throughout the world, everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, we are fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament. It takes every single one of us. If one piece is missing, it's not going to work at 
We promote the growth of the body for building up itself in love. And once again, if you're an underliner or underlining or a highlighter, by the proper working of what? Each individual part. Perhaps this is the first time anybody's ever told you this. You are important to the body of Christ. You're not just a member of this congregation. You are not just a visitor if you're not a member. You are part of the body of Christ. And our mission, our calling, no matter what our function is, is to share the love of Jesus Christ so that people can come to know Him. This morning, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you've never confessed that you're a sinner in need of it, we invite you to come this morning as we stand and sing our closing song, I Surrender All. Number 391, stand with me and sing.